passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Dynamite. Yes, blast off. It's time to detonate a new show on the Post Wrestling Network. I am John Pollock, <laughs> along with Way EW himself, Mr. Ting. How are you tonight? Doing very well. Very happy to be here and very happy that uh, every Wednesday from now on until the end of time, we will have to say the words Rewind a Dynamite. What a mouthful. Yeah, I... I only judge wrestling programming names now based on how it affects us and what we have to potentially name our shows. And I'm less high on Dynamite, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it is certainly the the longest um, title in, in our particular series in terms of syllables. Rewind uh, Dynamite. That's six syllables. But I will say the Rocky Maya V uh, picture show still has a speed. That's like nine. So, oh, that that would definitely be the the longest one, yes. Yeah. Well, up next has everyone's beat. Everyone beat. Oh yeah, it's the easiest. To the point. Write. Easiest. Like if you're trying to tweet up next, or at least mention it, it's like by the time I write the Rocky Maivia picture show, like I'm already out of space when I try to tweet out the show. So, up next is yeah. is very convenient. The only annoying part about their show is if I'm typing it in like Microsoft Word and I'll be starting off the sentence with up next and it will capitalize the U and then I have to go back because I I do pay attention to their uh, uppercase, lowercase conventions. It is a, a stylistic choice and a wonderful stylistic choice. And uh, yeah, by the way, um, of course, this is our AEW review, but John and I will be getting into spoilers for NXT that aired tonight because we will have to compare and contrast the show. So that's a warning. If you haven't seen NXT and don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to this show yet. Uh, at the same time, if you have listened to, uh, or if you, if you have watched NXT, you want to hear that review, Braden and Davey have that covered on up next. So download it on that feed probably right now. Yes, it'll be up now as you're listening to this. So you can go and every, uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, uh, Unless there are any uh, scheduling issues, you should have both feeds uh, updated with new shows. So Wayne and I covering Dynamite and Brayden and Davey, conversely, will be having a review of NXT each and every week here at postwrestling.com. So uh, Way, you were busy today. You had a brand new, beautiful looking graphic that outlines all of the new changes at Post Wrestling. Uh, very color coordinated, very appealing to the eye. Uh, bravo. Well, thank you. Yeah, a lot of thought went into putting this together, but a lot of thought goes into putting 
all these shows together, not just from John and I, but from everybody that's involved with the Post Wrestling Network. So just to reiterate, of course, Mondays, Rewind to Raw, that stays on this feed. Tuesdays is our Patreon shows, which include Rewind Away, Ask Away, and our MCU reviews. So if you uh, care to listen to old school reviews or current MCU reviews, or just want to ask us a question about anything in the world, including our favorite Halloween candy bars, John, or whether or not you would ever climb the CN Tower. Uh, you find out on shows like that. and on Wednesday- Sometimes you get answers days later on Twitter. <laughs> that is correct, yes. Da- Davey, by the way, has volunteered to, to both climb the CN Tower with me and go see Green Day with you. So what a guy. I think he should do them both in the same day with Simult- us. That, that, that sounds like a great day. Of course, Wednesday, you're, you're listening to Rewind to Dynamite on this show for free every single Wednesday. Up Next is on their feed for free every single Wednesday as well. Tomorrow is something that I'm very excited about. It's the Cafe Hangout at 3 p.m. Eastern. That'll be live for the first time for every single patron of the Post Wrestling uh, Network. So if you are a member of our Patreon, tune in to the live link that I'll be sending to all of your emails before sometime during the day and join us live at 3 p.m. Eastern Call in, let us know your thoughts on whether or not you enjoyed NXT more or AEW more, or if you liked both shows or you hated both shows. Let us know every single week, Thursdays at 3 p.m. for all patrons, and then release for free for everybody after that. Um, Friday, the British Wrestling Experience gets released uh, starting in two weeks. So we're giving them some time to, to migrate. So this week's edition actually just dropped today. So if you subscribe to the British Wrestling Experience, you can go find that. Friday, we'll be back for Rewind to SmackDown, now exclusive to our Patreon feed. So uh, Patreon shows come out basically two times a week. One of them, of course, is on Tuesday. The other one is on Friday night slash Saturday, and that'll be Rewind to SmackDown talking about the big Fox show. Yeah, originally, I think the British Wrestling Experience, they were going to do their show on the Wednesdays, and then we were going to hold off and and put it on uh, late Monday nights after the fact. But then uh, (laughs) we were able to get some earlier airings, and we were were able to get it on Friday. So great news. I'm I'm so happy for those guys. Not not confusing at all, I, I would say. And then, and then on the weekends, that's usually reserved for our pay-per-view post shows, the Rocky Maya via picture show, as we mentioned, which comes monthly, as well as post-pro-rest with John and WH talking about all the news and Japanese pro wrestling. Those are monthly shows, but this weekend, we've got a Hell in a Cell review coming out on Sunday, don't we? Yeah, we're going to have a, a UFC review up Saturday night and a Hell in a Cell post show on Sunday. So uh, if you are a double-double ice cap or espresso patron, you can watch the Hell in a Cell post show live and call in after that. Uh, and then that uh, podcast version will be up free for everybody uh, early Monday morning as well. So it's a packed, packed weekend where we've got shows coming out every single day through, well, eternity. Eternity, forever. You know, uh, people have told me that they 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 are going to take this schedule. They're going to print it. Somebody tweeted that he's going to print copies and post them in his kitchen, his bathroom, his office, his bedroom, a, a place for every uh, every room. Uh, a podcast for every room in a house. Someone should get it tattooed. <laughs> the schedule, of course. Until well, what happens when we change it? Then, um, then you have an Undertaker Sarah problem, mm, right? Uh, so anyway, the, check out the schedule. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, all a uh, ten out of ten on style points, and uh, we hope that you uh, check out some of the shows. We have uh, a really great lineup here, if I do say so myself. A great team here at Post Wrestling uh, during a very very key time in the in the industry right now. So 
hopefully we have everybody covered with everything that's going on. So uh, without further ado, we're going to dive right into AEW Dynamite, the premiere edition. And way we did not get to talk uh, since the deal was completed and we did get this live in Canada. The news came out on Tuesday that, uh, well, we talked about this on Monday night, but uh, made official on Tuesday that for the first four weeks, it's going to be airing on TSN 2 and then October 30th, It'll be on TSN3. So they've released the first five weeks of airings up here in Canada. It will also be available. You can watch it on tsn.ca and on their streaming player. I had problems logging into this thing. So I had to just watch it on TSN2 itself. And anyway, a lot of Canadians were happy that they're going to get this live because NXT not airing live here in Canada. So much like the Monday Night War, you will not be getting both programs airing head-to-head unless you are smarter than a computer. Well, yes. And uh, I, I, it's very different, Sean, because like back in the late 90s, of course, as you mentioned, we always had Nitro on a delay. Like we would either get it on Tuesday or, or even as late Tuesday as... Tuesday night at midnight, and then it was Wednesdays at 3, it would air. Yeah, so uh, unfortunate. But we live in a very different time where I'd say even if it, the, these shows aren't airing locally in your broadcast networks... There are certainly ways to watch them all live. So uh, that's what we both did, didn't? Uh, wasn't it today? Yeah, I mean, I had I had NXT up, but I really was not uh, watching it. Same, uh, yes. Yeah, um, it looked like it, a hot yeah. show. So we, and... we, we're not going to have like detailed notes, but you know, we'll comment about what was going head to head with what uh, what what the big news was coming out of NXT. But for me, like it was really the first time I I, I was able to experience some type of head to head wrestling battle since that those few editions of, of TNA impact going up against raw on a Monday. And this, you know, that was really cool. That one, uh, those couple times, but this feels like a very different type of battle. You know, it feels like it's, it's, um, it, I, I think the chances for AEW at least to start seem a little bit better. You know, we're talking about a bigger crowd and I think, you know, a series of shows leading up to this point that, are perhaps leading you to believe that this is going to be at least a bigger battle. Yeah. I mean, my, my overall thoughts, like just comparing the two and I don't want to say too much about NXT because I, I need to watch the show to have like a, yeah. a, a we'll get strong opinion. We'll get into but, it tomorrow. The comparison, the wrestling looked fantastic on NXT. I will say though, the atmosphere, a clear win for AEW. Like it just felt like, so the, it felt like the major league show in comparison, just from the visual. Yes, yes, yes. No comparison between, you know, what was the attendance tonight, John? They announced it at like 14,129, I believe was the number they threw out. Right. You know, no comparison between that and Full Sail, but, um, you know, depending on... Both crowds sounded really hot. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, it depends what you look for in a wrestling show, but certainly uh, in terms of atmosphere and crowd size, of course, AEW had, had them beat. The biggest difference for me, though, is that when that Raw and Impact head-to-head was going, that was before you and I were doing a Rewind a Raw show, and I just... Tonight was insane, dude. It was insane uh, to be... I was taking notes. I was trying to... Like, if you can look at my report on the main page, like, it was just very shorthand notes of, like, what was going on, uh, and really just... uh, more than uh, I would be able to to cover between both shows and stuff. But it was, I, I don't know what these Wednesdays are going to be like. I hope it kind of just settles into a bit of a, a rhythm. 
But for tonight, my head was just spinning for two hours. I think, you know, on these on the first night, maybe even the second week, we're going to want to watch both shows intently just out of curiosity because, you know, to see to see what this feels like, what this quote unquote Wednesday Night Wars might feel like in terms of Catherine programming. Um, But once it settles, I think we'll probably just focus on this show and then we can really kind of take our time watching NXT after the fact. So I hope you don't feel this way maybe three weeks from now. Yeah, well, my my plan is to at least watch most of uh, NXT tonight or finish it in the morning. That would mm-hmm. be the plan. Ideally, if these two shows were 90 minutes, I think that would be much easier. Like, I could stomach the idea of like, okay, it's a combined three hours. It's like a Raw, but it's two totally different products. Yeah. But two and two is, you're, you're maxing people out. But anyway, let us let us get into Dynamite. What were kind of your thoughts just going into tonight, Way just with so much promotion, there was uh, a palpable buzz throughout the day. Uh, I yep. hope you like my term there, palpable. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess my first question for you is, if you were not doing this show with me afterwards and you had equal access to both shows, which would you be sitting down to watch tonight? Or would you be going back and forth? Uh, I would certainly be going back and forth, but with most of my attention on AEW. And I think that was, from what I gather, most of the consensus online, or at least uh, a majority of the consensus, most of the curiosity was with AEW because we had already seen two weeks of NXT. So that kind of ended up working against NXT, getting that two-week head start. Um, But, you know, it's the first show of this company's career, like the first weekly TV show. So I had way more curiosity for this than I would say even the stack card that, that NXT offered. So uh, we talked about the countdown show for the All Out special doing 391,000 viewers on the eve of All Out. And last night's countdown special for this show did 631,000 viewers on TNT. And uh, I, I am expecting a pretty big number for this debut episode. I don't know if it's hitting something like uh, 1.5 million, but I had initially said like 900 to 950. I think it's going to be comfortably above that. I think so too. I think so too. Um, Especially, you know, the the difference is though, on Tuesday night, they're not splitting the audience with a competitor, but at the same time, how many people, like I didn't watch that show. Like I, and I feel like I, how many people truly really knew about that, that, um, uh, 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 dynamite preview show versus how many people know about this Wednesday show that's coming up. So, what do you think? Do you think it would at least double that number? You know what i I was talking to someone tonight, and that works in television, and we were kind of talking about you know viewership figures and where this could be, and we were both just like this AEW number. It could be anything. Like nothing is going to shock me what comes out tomorrow. Like I, I'm unless I'm it's trying less, to be unless it's less than six ninety. Yeah, that would that would absolutely stun me. Uh, I I I just could not fathom it being anything under. Mm, I, I would say nine hundred. I, I think that would be pretty surprising if it was that low. Um, but like this thing could come out, and I just don't have a good read on on what this is going to be. Like I'm imagining it. I, I could definitely see NXT and AEW both topping a million this week, and I think that would be a great great sign that there are. That NXT largely retains its audience and AEW shows that they've almost created their own, which I I think would be a great signal for the longevity that they've got that kind of a foundation, at least for week one. But that's 
it's going to be a fascinating number that comes out tomorrow, specifically the AEW one for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you look at that as, you know, perhaps them creating more, more viewers or maybe bringing more of the audience that would typically watch a raw or SmackDown? I think it's indicative of um, a lapsed fan base that is coming back and probably the creation of, of new fans as well. I mean, that's yeah. going to be the interesting part of like the, the teenage audience that is watching this, that we're not around when WCW went out of business or were extremely young that we're not watching wrestling. Like what, what kind of audience has, uh, you know, Omega, the Bucks, who have they brought up and, and created? Because for so long, we've just talked about the declining wrestling audience. Could this be a signal where it's finally, there's a bit of an expansion of the wrestling audience as well. Mm -hmm. So, we kicked off the show from the Capital One Center in Washington, D.C. This thing looked uh, fantastic. Uh, the crowd was just going absolutely crazy. There was a huge pyro display off the top as Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur welcomed us. And it was kind of cool with Tony Schiavone being your link who mentioned, you know, wrestling being back on TNT and him being the bridge from that final Nitro to the first dynamite episode on tnt it was really cool you know and uh i i wasn't really sure what to think of this particular team because we hadn't heard the three of these people call a show before uh, all the pay-per-views in the past were with excalibur and jr as the constants but sort of a rotating roster of like third men and this was the first time shivani was calling the show with with all three of them this was probably my favorite of all the tandems you know uh before this i thought what is it? Golden Boy did a great job, but I mean, Shivani, I think equally does as good of a job and carries with him that great, um, I think, nostalgic feeling of like, you know, listening to both both voices of the Monday Night Wars on the same broadcast. So he he and Jr. together, I thought worked really well. And, and Excalibur kind of being the link to the future and the present was I thought everybody kind of fulfilled their roles. I thought Excalibur had a very good night. I thought Jim Ross, especially uh, for the for the closing angle, I thought was was tremendous, especially to to close the show with Jake Hager. And it seemed that like Jim Ross kind of I, I think it was like the most defined roles we had for the three man booth. And Shivani to me, he was never like overstepping. Like he was able to just kind of glide in and out he knew when to when to pipe in when to hand it off to those two and i think he worked very well in the the third man spot that he was in yeah i agree you know uh the set for people that are curious are, are the same is the same set pretty much that we saw on the pay-per-views uh all the specials that that came before this same graphics as the last show all out uh complete with you know the records uh the records by the way for people who didn't see all out are their individual singles records and then also what overall records overall records so that would include tags and multi-mans right. and everything other than singles matches. all of it looking really good uh the only difference i noticed it was uh maybe between this and what we saw in the pay-per-views was perhaps were there logos on the on the mat on the canvases in the, on the on the last show and double or nothing do you or, uh, or sorry all out because like don't, i don't recall yeah, because at least for like uh, some of their prior shows, they had logos on the canvas, and this uh, they they at least uh, for this show seem to opt for a cleaner look. Uh, also worth noting the dark matches before they went live. Darby Allen defeated Shima, and then after the show, they taped three matches with uh, the Lucha Brothers and Helico and Jack Evans beating the Best Friends and Private Party. 
Britt Baker and Allie defeated Penelope Ford and B. Priestley, and SCU defeated the Jurassic Express. And I'm sure that those matches all being taped for, uh, maybe we'll see them pop up somewhere, but they taped four matches for the live crowd. Right. Yeah. Show began with a video for Cody and Sammy Guevara, and a lot of this was highlights from the Road 2 series and setting up the entrances here. Um, just kind of a kind of a best of in this video of just kind of establishing these two with some quick highlights from Road 2. You know, I was surprised that this was the only video package that we had. Unless I'm mistaken, there was another one. Yeah, and I I didn't feel that this video package really hammered home, like, why I should care about this match. I didn't think they really hit it hard enough and what these video packages should be that are, you know, I, I look at them as, you know, wh- whether you're watching, like, Dana White's contender series where it's largely unknown fighters, but the video package is like a backstory on each guy, what they're fighting for. And by the end of these videos, it's like, okay, I have a horse in the race. I am rooting for one of these people because I know what their story is. And I think that that should be the focus of these videos rather than just a collection of highlights. And they tried to get into this a bit, but it was just such a short video package that I don't think you could really hit any kind of emotional level with these. Right, yeah. You know, part of me wonders if this match really needed a video package either, as opposed to maybe something like, you know, your title match uh, that that occurred later on on the show. Um, But they have great footage, I suppose, with Cody and even Sammy Guevara that they probably wanted to show. Makes me wonder if they they, they had video packages in mind for the others and maybe uh, couldn't fit them in for whatever reason. Well, it's going to be, that's where I think the head-to-head aspect does come into effect because when people see downtime, it's they're going to be very trigger happy to flip over and see. And NXT certainly started off with the bigger match because they were kicking off with Adam Cole, Matt Riddle Mm -hmm. with the promise. It would be commercial free as well. So uh, that's, I would say that if you are a fan, that's kind of going back and forth, you're sticking with the NXT show off the top. So I thought that was a smart strategic play by NXT to go with that as their opening match. Yeah, perhaps, you know, um, it, it it was the main event, absolutely. Cody uh, elevated from underneath the stage with Brandy, and he came out to an enormous reaction. The atmosphere was tremendous here at the beginning. Uh, they come out, and we start the match. Uh, Guevara hit a back roll into a standing moonsault, and then he slapped Cody. Cody hit a, uh, applied a figure four, which naturally got a big reaction. Guevara got out of that. They traded chops. Cody gave a shout-out to Mark Hominick with a series of push-ups. And then Guevara uh, took a springboard cutter from Cody, who hit it much more much more succinctly than John Cena did. And then Guevara hit an even better one coming off the top with a springboard. And they were trading near falls here. Guevara goes to the floor, and as Cody dives, Guevara pulls Brandy Rhodes in front of him, and Brandy gets taken out and... The highlight of this was Kevin Smith's reaction as he watched in the front row with Jason Mewes, and he looked so concerned and just playing to the camera. Oh, boy. So this later set up a spot where uh, Guevara was laid out on the middle rope, and Brandy took her shoe and nailed Guevara with it. Cody followed up with the disaster kick, and that was our first big near fall that the crowd bid on. Cody followed with an inverted superplex off the top, Crowd's going nuts here as Guevara kicks out of that. Din's fire gets avoided. And then Guevara leaps to the top for a Spanish fly. 
with a near fall, and then a shooting star press lands on Cody's knees, and Cody catches him with a cradle at 11 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, this one really kind of peaked with the near falls at the end. They had a great crowd, and I, I did like kind of the simplicity of Cody's win. Like, he just caught him rather than uh, relying on one of his finishes here. It was just a, a simple cradle uh, to get the win. I thought it was a finish that protected Sammy. You know, it, it was a win that Cody basically, you know, he snuck by. Uh, and I think that's ultimately maybe what we had predicted, that this wouldn't be a blowaway match. It would be Sammy almost winning the match and then Cody, you know, barely getting by, which I think this finish kind of proves. So I liked it a lot, protected Sammy, really great atmosphere here. Good match, perfect length, I thought. And enough high spots, I think, to whet your appetite for the rest of the show. It was not a match that stole the show. Uh, unlike, you know, again, I haven't seen NXT, but I, I, I do wonder if, you know, perhaps uh, Cole versus uh, Riddle would have been the best on that show. But this was just a match that felt like a really hot opener, just enough to to whet your appetite for the rest of it. So Tony Schiavone comes down and he gets into the ring and he's going to go interview Cody and he gives him this big hug. And Guevara then confronts Cody and then Guevara offers his hand and Cody goes to shake his hand. And I thought this on Cody's part, this dude just pulled your wife and used her as a shield. And now you're shaking this guy's hand. Right. Yeah. Maybe that was, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done that spot if you're going to do the handshake. Or um, or you come up with a better way to have Guevara just distract Cody because that was what it was designed to do because Jericho jumped him from behind, hit him with a code breaker, and then they went to a commercial break. And this was right as the NXT match was ending and Finn Balor was walking out onto NXT. So this was like a perf perfectly timed where uh, there was a commercial break happening. And I'm sure this was just, you know, uh, the luck of it all, but it was right as Finn Balor is walking out, which naturally, if there's a downtime on AEW and you see this, you're probably sticking on NXT. So Finn Balor on NXT and confronting Adam Cole. I would say they both felt like, you know, pretty big, segments certainly like on nxt that felt like it could have very all been a show closing segment and on on aew i think big enough but um not necessarily the biggest thing on the show we returned from break jericho was still on the attack he was setting up chairs on the floor and then power bombed cody through both chairs and got got the big angle across here beating down cody and building up their November 9th match for full gear. And that would not be the end of Jericho and Cody, uh, who would we, we would see later in the night. But again, a really hot crowd for this, and they got into the post-match stuff as well, with Cody being laid out. And he looks way younger without that goatee. Who's that? Jericho. Oh, Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Cutler and MJF was next, which set us up for MJF's promo, running down the fans, they get to watch a star being born. Meanwhile, Cutler is a loser. Dungeons and Dragons isn't real. But what is real is him being better than Cutler. So the match begins. There was this leaping sunset flip by Cutler and a fireman's carry. But MJF stops that by raking the eyes. And Shivani says, I know that we're supposed to be objective, but I want Cutler to take care of this prick. Hmm. So we got our first prick. Out on TNT here. Cutler hit a suicide dive. He's attacking him with strikes and then rolls MJF into the ring, climbs to the top, and he has to just come down because he's 
holding his knee in pain, and he ends up getting nailed with a shot out of the corner, and MJF applies the salt of the earth, which is a Fujiwara armbar, and submits Cutler in 257. They say the knee injury for Cutler came from the suicide dive, but I never really saw the moment where he might have hurt himself. Contrast that with the fact that MJF was working on his arm the entire time, finished the match by working on the arm. So that knee injury that stopped him from doing that top rope move seemingly, to me, came out of nowhere and didn't really fit with the rest of the story of the match. So I wasn't a big fan of that. But as far as a showcase for MJF, I thought this was really good. You know, it was really interesting because, like, it was MJF on one channel, Velveteen Dream on another channel. And I think just, like, to me, two, like, really great counterpoints uh, about, you know, what the future of the industry might be and two excellent people, excellent characters on the microphone. So um, I thought MJF, like, certainly felt like he belonged on a big stage. His promo was excellent. Um, He's a fantastic heel, very high caliber. And I thought Cutler was actually a really good babyface. But because of the knee injury kind of came out of nowhere, the ending felt rather abrupt. So uh, maybe a little bit disappointed in that sense, but still a good debut for MJF. Yeah, I'm not complaining about the length either, but this had to have been one of the longest promoted feuds for a three-minute match. Has it been? I mean, they've been they doing do? the, the the stuff for months between these two on, on, BT. on being the elite. Right. Yeah, I don't know how popular it really was. Hey, what did you think of the the camera from inside the turnbuckle? Um, it I I was aware of it, but it didn't leave like a strong impression on me. What did you think? I loved Good it. Good idea. Yeah. I loved it. Shoulders to the post will never be the same. You get to be the post. That's great. Yeah. Maybe they they've taken note of what are the big things in uh in WWE that are clearly working. Shoulders shoulder spots. How can we take this to the next level? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Chris Van Vliet was ringside, and he interviewed Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, and they plugged their Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie and were confronted by Angelico and Jack Evans, who said their movie sucked, and then Mewes said, you guys can't even oh, get a he, win. He said Morris Day and the Times sucked. Oh, I thought they were insulting the movie. No, which is which is Jason Mewes' favorite band from, from the film. So Private Party then shows up with drinks, and that was how this was all uh, came to a close. And then Private Party just took off. Yeah, it really was just a. Uh, we realized it was just a way to like uh, build up to the tag team thing. Uh, perhaps maybe could have been a bit more cleverly designed, but um, you know, it it just showed you showed the two teams on screen basically. So, man, I never thought I would see Jack Evans and Jason Muse like interact in my life like these two people who look incredibly alike talking to each other yeah i guess so there is there's definitely a, a familiarity between them I, i'd have to see jason muse leap off of a balcony into a ring though to see the if they have that in common with them from his lucha underground spot then we went to uh, outdoors with a taped spot with scu with Scorpio Sky doing a Barack Obama impression, and then they went into their worst town bit, and then we cut to Shivani inside the arena with SCU. Yeah. This is very strange that we went from one SCU bit to an interview with SCU. I didn't think it was that bad. One was pre-taped and the other was live. 
this just felt like a, it was like a, um, an interview segment jump cut. I could see that. I could see that, especially if you're used to seeing wrestling presented in one way. But this was different. He's interviewing SCU, and they get confronted by the Lucha Bros, who come out. Ray Phoenix says they are the best tag team in the universe. Pentagon yells, Sierra Miedo, and then they chant SCU in return. They get into it. Atlas Security separates them. And at this point, I'm going to say, we, we had had a lot of pull-aparts at this point. This is like 40 minutes into the show, and we had had, it was just constant, like, confrontations with opposing figures but did it not work um it just felt like it was uh it was it was just starting to become a little too patterned for me of just the someone's talking and then they get interrupted with an attack i suppose that's that is valid criticism i think but i also feel like it to me this was a show that was very simple in its design um kind of just like relying on what they know works and this was i would say one of the simpler segments that there there could be in a wrestling seg uh, show you say your catchphrase and then you brawl and in front of this crowd that treated everybody like a superstar i thought it totally worked the idea is to let the viewer know that these two teams are going to fight and hopefully you know elicit a big reaction to close the segment well, that was unlike the previous segment because Angelico, Evans, and Private Party are not fighting in this tournament. Oh, they aren't? No. So what the, the hell was the point of that then? Evans and Angelico have been left out of the tournament, so they're not even in it. So why did they have Private Party there? To just get some screen time, I guess, before they take on the Bucks next week? Yeah, then that doesn't really make sense. So, um, yeah, the pull-apart was fun. I thought Phoenix and Pentagon came across like... Real superstars here. I thought they looked great. They were they were all dressed up, and uh, they let Phoenix do the the short promo. But I, I thought they came off really really well. I thought SCU came across well too, and I was really surprised at how much like Scorpio Sky kind of took the reins on the microphones here. You know? He feels like the leader now, almost. Well, at least on in this segment, um, you know, between like the 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 White House uh, bit and also uh, you know leading the the promo here in 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 arena, like he really. Feels like the most charismatic one, at least tonight. Then we had uh, shots in the back of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And then we went to the locker room of Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz. And I'm going to bring this up. I don't think this is being a nitpick. And I don't even know if it's uh, necessarily uh, even even a point to argue. But uh, Tony, Gaunt, Tony Khan did this interview with Wade Keller. And we'll, we'll go through it during during the news because I listened to the whole thing. And if there is one clear conclusion that I can come to at the end of this interview is that if there is one thing that Tony Khan absolutely hates, hates with like under underline five times about WWE programming, it is the invisible camera in the back and how the performers don't know they're on camera. And that wasn't really the case here, but... I'm asking myself, as Jericho's going over game plan notes with LAX, is he aware that he is being filmed here? Because the announcers are acknowledging the camera is on them. But are we to believe that Jericho knows he's on camera? I think the answer would be yes. But whether or not Chris Jericho himself was really aware that that was the case, I'm not really sure. You know, um... Or maybe he's the guy who's just comfortable really revealing his game plan. 
What are you going to do about it? But um, certainly by the the way the show was produced, you could tell they kind of made a real effort to avoid things like that. Avoid, you know, the backstage skits where they one person talks about impregnating the other person's wife and, you know, uh, the, the husband is supposed to be unaware. So all all that shit, like you don't really. There, there were no backstage. This was like, kind of the most that you there was had. Nothing backstage. I mean, yeah, something like this. this something like this was very much modeled after what you would see on a UFC show, or you know, Frank Mir's training in the back, getting ready for his match. That's as bad. Yeah, as but you, as you but saw. you would not hear. Uh, you wouldn't hear John Anik say, Let, "Let's let's listen in on on Frank Mir's game plan that he's going over with with his coach right now." No, so that's probably something where I wonder if they're everybody's really on the same page, especially perhaps somebody like Chris Jericho, who's so used to doing backstage right. segments the other way. Um, and, and listen, I, I would not even make a point out of this unless like Tony Khan made this so clear. It's and, not a nitpick at all. I think, I think and, it's absolutely And valid. if they were just like getting ready in the back, I'd be like, okay, cool. It's just, they're, it's just, they're, they're shooting them getting ready. Like that's, you see that in, in any sports uh, broadcast. I think you could uh, but, really fix, easily fix this if you just drop the audio and had commentators talk over top of it. Yeah. And not say like we're eavesdropping on their, on their game plan that yeah. they're going over because that would insinuate they have no idea that this camera exists back there. Or they're just that confident. Or maybe they want to misdirect. Huh? Oh. Okay, well, now, now you're doing their job for them. They've got to explain that then. Maybe Jericho well, how is somebody, looking... How, how are the commentators supposed to know, oh, they might be re- misdirecting us? Okay, I just think you're giving them the benefit of the doubt now to try and explain this. That's all I'm saying. If, if it's misdirection, that needs to be spelled out then. Then Omega and the Bucks have to somehow be either confused by this game plan, and it's got to have some payoff at the end of it. And we couldn't even ba- barely hear anything anyway, so... Um, this was a lot of analysis for this cutaway to to their locker room. Hangman Page versus Pac started next. This was going against Johnny Gargano and Shane Thorne, for those keeping track. They fought on the floor. Uh, what did you think? Uh, Page came out. I thought he got a tremendous reaction uh, coming out. I thought they both did. Yeah. Yeah. They fought on the floor. Uh, Pac got thrown into the barricade, and then there was a suicide dive by Page. Page then hit a follow-away slam and a standing shooting star that just looked great. Um, Page, I, I just think, has all the breakout potential in the world. I thought he looked really good in this well, match. He's, I, like, he, he's had that for a long time, and I, I almost feel like you know he's back in the space that he should be in. I thought you know they were certainly making attempts at making him the big star, and whatever it was, maybe the lack of screen time or just just whatever, he wasn't ready ahead of all out. So I feel like he's kind of back in the spot where perhaps he, he, he should have been the whole time. Sort of like that, that, you know, I see title tier. Yeah. Of all the guys that, you know, have had the limited schedules this year, I think it has, I don't think it's hurt page, but it's like, this is like, just think of this guy. If he'd been working consistently for the last uh, nine months, because he's just continuing to improve at a tremendous rate. And you just wonder if he was, uh, you know, just imagine this guy doing like New Japan for the last year. Um, where but he imagine him now. doing ROH for the past year. Well, I'm just saying he was. You know, he he did not do a whole lot um, this year. Like even indie wise, like just even like I, I can't even count the the number of matches he's had this year. It's got to be what under six. Yeah. Anyway, um, Pack hits a Asai moonsault and. Then we get a running seated drop kick in the corner. He goes to the black arrow. It's stopped. And Page hit a fallaway slam off the middle turnbuckle. 
spun him into a uh, cutter for a two count. And Jim Ross warns us that a break is coming up. But don't worry. We've got picture in picture. Well, not in Canada, where we just went right to commercial break. Come back. Page goes for the dead eye, but Pack holds on to the rope. Comes off the top of the discus strike. Page went for the buckshot lariat. Pack just rolls to the floor, so Page hits a moonsault to the floor. The buckshot gets avoided, and then with Earl Hebner's back turned, Pack hits him with a low blow with a kick, and then a black arrow to the back, and applies the brutalizer for the submission in 13 minutes. So Pack gets another victory, and Page loses after the loss to Chris Jericho. I really like how the, the black arrow splashes on the, to the back of his opponent rather than the front, so that he could easily transition to, to the rings of Saturn. Really cool. I thought it was a good match. You know, I would say for a TV, even very good. Uh, unfortunate that Canadians missed out on the commercial break. So, like the picture in picture, I mean. So, the flow of the match for me was was kind of disrupted. I uh, agreed. Yeah. So, you know, I I was also disappointed that we didn't get more anticipation for this one. Like, this was a match that I feel like had the biggest build, the longest build, the longest history of anything on the show, with this being the original match for a page at uh, Double or Nothing. And the so. injury angle that they did in England, like injuring Paige's leg for, for months, like that yeah. was, you know, you have that footage. Yeah, so we didn't at least, you know, the fact that we didn't even get a video for this, I think I was a little bit disappointed by. Yeah, they, maybe they showed it on, on that preview show, I don't even know, but it, it really matters here. So I, I wonder, I wonder if that was even ever planned. So they, and they seem to be heating a pack up, pack up, sorry, for a big role with wins over both Kenny and Hangman Page. So I thought this was the right call. Next was uh, Nyla Rose and Rio for the vacant AEW Women's Championship to crown the first champion. And they brought out Dr. Britt Baker for commentary. And, you know, in the beginning, she was kind of just going over like game plan and strategizing. And then she kind of just disappeared later on. She seemed to be seemed just just nervous and trying to fit in with these other three, which with four voices, that's a lot. And. She just seemed like it was it was a tough addition here having Baker on commentary. I thought as a personality, I also don't know if like you know her. She's the type that is like you know loud enough to really stand out over the others. Like she's not like an MJF type of personality, and that's totally fine. So, but it just perhaps you know her role here wasn't necessarily the most important or the best uh, for her. And I I have to wonder too, you know, if if she was uh, just maybe. A little jealous that she wasn't wrestling on the show. The match began, and Jim Ross is putting over the, the size discrepancy here at how much bigger Nyla Rose is. And then he says, my format here lists Nyla Rose at 185 pounds. Yeah, and I'm three foot four. Come on. <laughs> so he did not agree with the information that he had been presented with mm. and that Nyla Rose is... Only 185 pounds. Yeah. So uh, this is all just Rose using her size to her advantage. She used an STF and Rio just fighting to the rope. Rio would finally knock her to the floor after fighting from underneath. And then she went for the, to the top rope for a high cross to the floor and Rose caught her. And Rose then got a chair that Paul Turner yanked away from her. Rose then got more chairs from under the ring, and Rio gets placed onto the chairs. Rose comes off with a with a cannonball from the apron, but misses Rio and wipes out onto the chairs. Rio followed with a double stomp, and then we went to a commercial again. Rose, when we come back, is going for a powerbomb, and Rio tries to counter it with a back body drop, but it just ended with Rose like 
falling over her, and they just had to, like, pick up from there and continue onward here. Uh, Rio then did this great leg vine into this cradle for a near fall that the crowd went nuts for. And it was from this point on, the audience was so behind Rio and all of her, uh, the story of the underdog trying to beat Nyla Rose, who followed with a Death Valley driver, but then Rio came back with a Northern Lights off the middle turnbuckle for a two count. She ran for a Shining Wizard, missed to the face, but then hit her in the back of the head and landed the double knees to pin Nyla Rose. 13 minutes, 26 seconds, and I would say the final few minutes of this, I mean, the crowd was just red hot for Rio. I I was really surprised by the result. You know, I thought this would be Nyla's uh, uh, win as the first champion, just given the amount of, like, promotion that they put behind her versus Rio, which I don't, outside of that road, too, I don't know if they've done really anything for. But, of course, Rio is an excellent choice as well. To me, this was the best match on this show, um, and I would include even the main event. So... Great atmosphere, as you may have expected. I think these two had great chemistry. You know, for a TV match for the division with, like, two relative unknowns, I think the David Goliath story was really easy to present between pretty much, like, the biggest and the smallest person in the division. Didn't require a ton of background for you to get into. And the crowd, like, really helped because they saw the importance of this. Nyla Rose, I thought, was great in this match. You know, as a monster in the division, I think she's so valuable. I mean, it... It probably tells you something that, you know, she was, she's been on every single show that they've had thus far. Uh, I thought, you know, if we're going to compare perhaps similar archetypes, I think she's already way better than Nia Jax. Um, Riho, I thought this was a match where her strengths were really able to shine. Being an underdog, awesome fire fighting from behind. I thought all of the attempts she had at trying to lift Nyla Rose were met with like really great reactions from this crowd. In particular, that Northern Lights off of the uh, turnbuckle, I thought was, was fantastic. So, I thought this was probably the loudest the crowd was all night since the Cody match. Yeah, I, I think that Cody felt like the the biggest star up until like this point where it was like Rio was right up there by the end of it, I think, with how she got over. So I think tonight was like a very, very big positive foot forward for Rio. They they um, both gained a lot, I thought. Yeah, I think so. Like Nyla Rose, I think, is, is limited, but she did show a lot here, and I think she's going to grow more into this role as kind of the the big monster of the division. And that really came through here. I mean, this was certainly above the expectations I had for this match going in, which were uh, kind of measured. This was also going up against uh, Shayna versus Candice, which was pretty That's cool. That's right. Because it was yeah. two women's title matches at the same time on TV. So Then Michael Nakazawa entered the ring. Yeah. I don't know why. He went to interview Riho. I... This guy came across like a fan that had stormed into the ring and they were waiting for security. And he gets attacked by Rose and gets power bombed. And then she goes to attack Rio. And this prompts Kenny Omega, sporting his one championship shirt, to come out, stop Rose, and shoves Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost see. like teasing something for down the road between Omega and Nyla Rose. Uh, certainly leads you to think that way. Uh, uh, either that or, or a tag team match, uh, mixed tag of some sort. But, I mean, Rose versus Nyla Rose, I think, is very well a match that I could see them doing. Um, so, I think Nakazawa, at, at least, obviously he was, there, he was there to take the bump, but they were also trying to position him as, as the, uh, what is it, um, translator for Riho. So, I wonder if that's an actual role that he's going to take going forward. Um we also haven't seen, you know, now that Rio has the belt, how are they going to uh, present her to an audience, knowing that she probably has very limited English? 
So is he going to be the interviewer and the translator? Because then he's going to have to translate his own questions. Yeah, he would. That's uh, it's going to be a lot of work for him. So then with Kenny Omega out there, um, that kind of just uh, bled into the main event. Chris he actually Jericho, went to the back and then came back out. But yeah. That's right. That's right. He did do the entrance. So we have Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz against Omega and the Young Bucks. And going up against the uh, Undisputed Era and the Street Profits on the other side. Yeah, were you, were, were you surprised they went with the tag title uh, match last on NXT? I think I was surprised um, that they started the show off with the main event, with the uh, title match, I mean, Cole versus Riddle. But after seeing Cole versus Riddle, I mean, it only made sense that you would do this for, for the main. It, it felt, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd love to know, like, maybe when some of those decisions were made for, for the NXT order. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it and, you know, you, you had two big returns with, with Balor and Ciampa. And I guess they mm-hmm. wanted to go off the air with with, with Ciampa right. as opposed to Balor. Even right. though Balor would be probably the, the biggest uh, news coming out of the show, I would say. But, you know, like, I mean, those were probably your two most important segments, weren't they? Yeah. The beginning and the end, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fine the way they did it, I yeah. think. And also positioning Ciampa as, like, our guy is the big takeaway at yeah. the end of the show, which I, I thought was uh, that's that was a fine strategy to, to go with. Jericho and Omega started uh, briefly, and then Santana and Ortiz got in. They were sent to the floor, and Omega went for a Hurricane Rana to Jericho, who blocked it. He teased the walls, and the Bucks come in with a double super kick. And Nick hits a corkscrew through Matt's legs onto Ortiz and Santana, allowing Omega to set up for the Terminator dive, when John Moxley runs in from the crowd, the place is going crazy, and he attacks Kenny Omega, tosses him into the crowd, and they just fight through the audience, including right by a mop that Kenny uses and then started wiping the floor as an ode to his cleaner character that on this week's Being the Elite was supposed to be dead. It gets a big reaction, of course, the spot from this audience. Um I think so much of this show was like geared towards the fan that that was that's or that already knows these people and that already sees these people as superstars. So a spot like that, I think it was small enough that it was probably just a throwaway thing. If you're a casual fan who never knows nothing about Kenny being cleaner and what the significance of him holding a mop might be, um, but I suppose it was like to me, it's a, it's still a show that pays. I think a lot of uh, respect to your audience that that's been there for for a long time. Did you take tonight's portrayal of Kenny Omega as a sign that being the elite will still be a thing, but it is very much like very black and white compared to what you're going to see? Like this was not the Kenny Omega we've been watching for the last few weeks and no hint of it either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they're probably still trying to figure that sensitivity out for themselves. You know, how much of BTE to take over. Um, I think you'll see elements of BTE. I think you'll see you guys make reference to things that, you know, they do on Dynamite on BTE and maybe even vice versa. Um, but I feel like BTE will continue, as Cody mentioned in that Q&A conference call that we put up on our uh, feed on Monday. You know, BTE is going to be like your national lampoon, like your Deadpool of like the AEW universe. It's the place where people go to like kind of like do crazy parodies and uh, really kind of off the wall things that you might not otherwise see in your quote unquote, like serious show, which would be road to. And also this show. So Moxley and Omega fight into this VIP area 
and it culminates with Moxley hitting Omega with a Death Rider, putting him through a glass table. And that was the end of Kenny Omega for the night. Yeah, it was a really crazy spot, like big, big reaction for, for the broken glass. I mean, it's also a move that like Moxley pretty much takes most of as well. I, you know, it, it was a big spot, like crowd went crazy. And I know they probably did this to send everybody to commercial. I was not a huge fan of it. For first show, I feel like you need to establish a really hot match before going to shenanigans. And I was looking forward to seeing Kenny team up with the Elite or or, or the Bucks. And they really never got started. So I was a little disappointed that this came so soon. Whereas I think if Moxley came out at the end, did the same thing. You would have probably had a hotter match and also uh, probably just as big of a reaction for the angle. But maybe they were timing it all for the commercial. And why was this and, not a DQ? Um, because it was... See, like, they, they needed to explain that as well. I mean, Moxley just came in and attacked the guy. Yeah. So so what, in been... a three-on-three, is that, are there no DQs? Of course there are, right? Uh, of course. Of course. Santana then pulled Nick off the apron to prevent the tag. They had the heat on Matt. They double-teamed Matt. Uh, Ortiz did his dead man's drop. And then Jericho went for a lion salt, landing onto Matt's knees. And he fights back, including a double Northern Light suplex to Santana and Ortiz. Nick gets the hot tag, and he did the most unreal sequence. This was shades of that unbelievable Cesaro comeback on Raw years ago. I think... It sounds ridiculous, but in some ways, I feel Nick is actually underrated because I don't think people, when you're talking about some of the best wrestlers in the world, if you were to list a top 10, I don't think people are listing Nick Jackson singularly. And he Mm. is, man, to watch this guy, like he really is one of the most like smoothest guys anywhere. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um. I wonder His comeback if, was awesome. I wonder if you would consider that. I, I I think you're right. Like that would be underrated, but they are also some would say perhaps even overrated as a tag team. And maybe just some of that, for perhaps the fact that we don't think about Nick is because we we never see him do singles matches. So is he even qualified? Uh, they completed the comeback, and then as they're going for the BME, it gets stopped with a. Jericho going for a code breaker. No, the Mel- Melter driver. Or the, 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 or the, sorry, the, it was like the indie taker because he wasn't oh, even okay. doing the, the rotation. Right. So he gets nailed with the code breaker in midair. Santana and Ortiz attack and they throw Matt into the Judas effect and Jericho pins Matt with the Judas effect, uh, which, you know, that's been the move all, you know, throughout the last number of months that they have been. Working to get over, it is over now, mm-hmm. and tonight was really solidifying like how devastating this maneuver is. Like This is the exclamation point for Chris Jericho that nobody kicks out of this. Tonight was, uh, what is it, the Judas Effects national debut, I would say. you know. And if you're a fan that maybe hasn't seen Jericho since WWE, you probably would be completely confused about what this move was. Um, but to this audience, at least, that was their live, and more importantly, to the commentators... They were all reacting like it was like the big holy shit move of the match. So I think they've done a good job to the people that that have seen it. And I guess the people that maybe are tuning in for the first time will probably catch up eventually. So Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz win. And they're beating them down afterwards. Cody runs out to make the save uh, on behalf of the Bucks. That prompts Sammy Guevara to run out. 
and he low blows Cody, and then huge pop as Dustin Rhodes runs in to fight off Guevara, and then the final reveal is Jake Hager, the former Jack Swagger who comes in through the crowd to attack Dustin. This gets a holy shit out of Jim Ross. Hager is beating down the Bucks. He slams Cody off the middle rope. The crowd's going nuts chanting, We the People, which was deafening. And then they put a table into the ring um, and put Dustin through it with a gut-wrench powerbomb and ends with Jericho slapping Cody, hitting him with the Judas effect, and the five heels, uh, Jericho, Santana, Ortiz, Guevara, and Hager, all posed together to go off the show with all of the heels standing tall. I thought like having a surprise to close the show was good, but I mean, it was Jake Hager, which I... I, I think as a signing for AEW isn't necessarily a name that really like makes me go, whoa, I can't wait to see like some of these Jake Hager matches. I don't feel that way. Um, But, you know, hopefully this is a bit of a rebranding for him and that maybe he can show me something that I never really saw with him in his WWE run. So um, it was a nice surprise to close the show. I really like the closing angle, especially when like Cody came out and Dustin came out so simple, but like so awesome. This guy hates this guy, so he's attacking him. And this guy's friends with this guy, so he's saving that guy. And then that guy hates this guy, so he so that guy comes out. And it just kept building into like a really nice reaction. So um the crowd response for this whole thing at the end was really good. The match was was enough, I think, to like show you what the Bucks were about. Um and didn't really see that much of, of uh LAX, but um I guess you can only maybe achieve so much on one like what, ten minutes? So what do you think? I had the same reaction as you that it's like, okay. And we, and we knew like the name Jack Swagger was, was floating around for this show. So he came out and I was like, all right. I, you know, to most people watching this, this is a, you know, a, a, mid, a mid-level WWE guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came in, this whole post-match was about Jake Hager and making him shine. Uh, but I thought the star was Jim Ross here. He put Jake Hager over so big and going over all of his athletic credentials. He's 2-0 and in Bellator. And by the end of it, I thought like the idea of him being in kind of this enforcer role with Jericho and then ultimately kind of having him break off on his own, I think that would be a good direction for this guy. And I thought that by the end of this, I thought they did a really effective job of introducing him. Um, and that was like... From his run-in, uh, not being all that into it, and within like three, four minutes, I thought they did a very good job with it. Yeah, I think for me, like my my feelings on the signing will probably be, uh, you know, affected by how how he is in ring going forward. I think it's a good start, like rebranding him as as this like undefeated MMA monster versus you know um, former WWE uh, United States champion or whatever he was. For a time, um, so it was, I agree with you. I thought commentary was excellent on the show. Uh, like I said, I felt like everybody felt like a necessary component to the three-man booth, and it was to me the best JR has sounded in a very long time. We didn't get my sign-off though. Oh, which Tony was? Shavani. I mean, was there any other way to end this show? Dynamite. We gotta go. <laughs> they hit the mark. They did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They were out. They were out of there, and. Uh, NXT did do an overrun, so mm-hmm. they went past there. I flipped over and I watched like the last five, six minutes of the tag title match, and it was pretty damn great. The end of that tag. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I look forward um, to seeing the whole show. 
Yeah, so I guess um, overall thoughts on Dynamite Wave for a, for a first time out there and I guess assessing like if you're a new viewer, if this did enough to grab you. It's really hard, I think, for me to get into that headspace because I'm so familiar with this group now. Like I've seen. Oh, my God. Sorry, dude. I looked at the feedback we got. Oh, yeah. Holy oh, shit. Dude, this is the oh. most feedback I think we've ever gotten from oh a show. God. And there's no way we're getting through all this. Yeah, sorry. But okay. Uh, yeah, my, I mean, I, it's hard for me to get into that headspace as a brand new fan who doesn't know these guys. But like, I feel like the show conveyed that it was a big deal. You know, from the presentation, which was, I thought, top notch. Great looking set as we've seen before. Quality. Which sometimes that's the biggest thing is just feeling like yeah. you're major league. And they yeah. certainly hit that which was important quality production like you know no camera mistakes as far as i could tell this time excellent sound like they captured this audience really well and it sounded big the entire time there's nothing here in terms of you know production that i feel reinvented the wheel but i thought it was very much up to a modern national tv standard and i feel like that was like indicative of the overall show there's really nothing here that reinvents the wheel of what a wrestling show is. If anything, I feel like this was an attempt to simplify the way that we we see professional wrestling. No backstage segments. Strictly in-ring action. Um, nothing convoluted about why these people hate each other. They just simply, you know, they're, they're either friends or they're brothers and you're attacking my friend or you're attacking my brother and therefore I'm going to attack you. Or they're going for, t- for championships. So I think it was a real attempt to simplify things and I feel like that was well conveyed on this on this first show i thought this show i'd give it um b plus maybe i didn't think this was a home run show i didn't leave this show that they have reinvented the game and this is like i don't uh i didn't come out of this like i did for instance like all in was such a special show where i think you really did have that that feeling by the end and i don't know if you can necessarily replicate that but that was kind of what they were pushing here but do you, mm, i don't know about that though but that was a pay-per-view and to me this felt like a very kind of tempered attempt at building to a pay-per-view rather than delivering a pay-per-view quality show on the first show well i'm not even saying necessarily like the wrestling but you want to you want to leave the impression with people that it is like a two hour presentation where you are explaining why you are different. And I think like all these like things were in some way, these things all did get across. I mean, there were, you know, I I had my complaints on the show. I thought it was not like, um, I don't know. I don't know if you, if, if everyone watching this show um, is necessarily going to be hooked with this, if they felt it was different enough because I think that there's a lot of qualities to AEW that are different that weren't necessarily showcased here. Like the video packages that are so different from WWE. And as well, like the just some of the ideas of just fitting people onto the show, not necessarily introducing them. Like if I'm a new viewer, I can't really tell you anything about Private Party or some of the other people that they introduced here. And I'm watching this as well, familiar with all these people. So I'm trying to think if you are a new viewer that they're after... Were they able to convey all of that? I think the key people were, and maybe that's all you could hope for week one. I certainly feel like they could have done more with like video work and video packages. You know, like you said, some of the great stuff we've seen on Road 2. Um, but I, I wonder if any of that was perhaps cut for time. Because I really do wonder why things like Pac versus Page, Pac versus Page didn't get one. Or even Nyla Rose versus Riho for a championship match didn't even get a video package. So 
I, I, I wonder if that's something that maybe will be amended. Um, perhaps, you know, it's, it was a timing thing. I, I'm not really sure, but I will say, I think this was a show. Whereas I feel like that the NXT show that, that probably took place, um, uh, that, that was booked on tonight felt like it was a very reactionary sh- uh, show done to like make sure nobody watches this one. To me, this had the feel of a show that very much stuck to its game plan that it originally had with everything gearing towards your end of the month pay-per-view rather than trying to cram everything, you know, all your title matches onto one big show. Yeah, that's that's right. Like, I, I have no doubt when we watch this NXT show, I think that the wrestling on the NXT show is probably going to be superior as a whole but they also threw everything at the wall on Wednesday night like it was you know big stuff Uh, granted they have also set up some big stuff coming out of it primarily the title picture with with Cole with Ciampa in the mix now and Finn Balor as well so it's not like they didn't uh, build stuff out of it but you're right like I didn't view this show like from AEW that we have to throw everything and we'll worry about week two next week that was that was the Vince Russo reset button mentality that that first show, every single thing would be thrown against the wall. And I don't want to compare that to NXT. It's not the same thing, but Russo would come in and he would have every single, he would shoot a dozen angles on that first show back and you'd leave and be like, wow, that was a awesome show. And it was just three weeks in, it was a mess. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, occasionally NXT is going to do these big shows to counter AEW if they have a big show coming out. And that's a luxury that NXT has because they don't necessarily need to make their money off of pay-per-view. Um, so I think it, it really remains to be seen how this plays out. But more importantly, you know, what are week two ratings going to be like? What are week three ratings going to be like when they don't have a big show to, to throw to and we get more of a standard show from both companies? How How are maybe viewing patterns going to be at that point? Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. And next week, what we know, we have Private Party against the Young Bucks and John Moxley versus Sean Spears. So that'll be Moxley's first match back since the injury. And then NXT has announced that they will be doing the Walter Kushida match that they've been promoting. And they're also doing Drew Gulak, Leo Rush for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Oh, they re- renamed it. Interesting. They have renamed it. Cool. Yes. Okay. So that's what we have next week. So, um, you know, not 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 to the degree of week one in terms of matches, but nonetheless, still putting some, you know, notable stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Bucks wrestling for the for the first time in a, in a tag scenario and the start of your tournament, uh, that's of note. And Moxley uh, wrestling, that, that should be a big deal. Yeah, 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 I think so. Hey, uh, we forgot to give away our T-shirt today. Maybe we'll give it away on the Hangout tomorrow. Okay, that's fine. Let's okay. let's do that. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to go to feedback? I want to uh, go to some of this this feedback. Um, okay. How, or how, do you want to go to news? How much how much news is there? Um, there, there's a little bit of news. Um, you know, I I, I am looking at. Let, let's do a bit of news actually. Because, okay. Yeah, let's uh, we can let's do that. Do We're gonna do our best to get as to as much feedback uh, as we can, but there is a uh, quite a lot of it here. Um, so I guess the big story today. Uh, is about CM Punk and he was on Collider and he's out promoting his uh, new film, uh, girl on the third floor. And he was interviewed on this outlet and Andrew Thompson did a phenomenal job on our site of transcribing uh, the key stuff in this interview. It's like an hour long interview and they got into his audition for 
WWE backstage on FS1, and he confirmed that he did it. And it seems, I mean, this this really came across to me way. While he didn't confirm that he's on the show, I certainly took it at the end that um, he did the audition. He wants to be on this show. Uh, FS1 ain't saying no to CM Punk if he wants to be doing this show. And I saw this as, yeah, this guy's doing this show. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really find it uh, interesting that how, how like, adamant he was about the distinction between this being a Fox production and not a WWE production when, I mean, even, like, in its UFC on Fox incarnation, I think, you know, we pretty much had the feeling that it wasn't really strictly a Fox production even at that point. So I don't really know if here's he what he Here's believes. what he said. Here's what he said. Um, he says, quote, like, this is Fox. Uh, and then he says, quote, I'm not dealing with anybody in WWE. It was legit. Like, they were, they were like, it's Fox. And I, okay, he says like so, quite, a, okay. quite a lot in this. He's getting paid by Fox. And, and again, this is so much like, I think, the Arrow Hawani situation, where, I mean, um, CM, Phil Brooks believes he's, he, I don't doubt that he's getting paid by Fox, but... Man, I, 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 how's that going to work, okay, when he has to break down WWE storylines on Raw, on SmackDown, on NXT, uh, interview WWE wrestlers? Um, I find it really interesting. I mean, if it is truly unscripted or like, you know, where he's not being guided about what to say, what he can or can't say, well, then it'll truly be a show that I think will be worth watching. But I really, really doubt knowing that WWE is on the logo of this show and Renee Young is hosting it that it'll be that he'll be that free, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not called, I mean, it's being produced by Fox, but yes, it is WWE backstage, not FS1 backstage. And it's two, well, two people that are employed by WWE that are hosting this. So I think you have to look at it like that. I I'll say that. And this is just like media broadcasting deals in general that I've never quite understood why it always comes down to the broadcaster being at the mercy of the property. Because in this case, it's like Fox is paying WWE all this money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if WWE could take SmackDown and just walk down the street and get something like, you know what I mean? So, but, so what are you saying? Like they should have the liberty to say whatever they want on this show? Absolutely. Uh, I, no, what I'm saying is whether they will or not. What I'm saying is that in most of these situations, it's always the broadcaster that doesn't want to upset the sports property. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I can understand that if you're talking about an NFL or something of that level. But you know what I mean? Like to me, yeah, I do. If Fox, if Fox would want a CM Punk to go on their show. And if he thinks something sucked, great. Like that's great for us. Is it not? Like for this show to get that kind of a buzz? It's great for it. But I mean, at the same time, is it is it great? If the show consistently sucks, let's say, you know, we had that string of Raws from like over the past summer where everything was terrible for weeks on end and you had Punk repeatedly remind you about, about something like that is first of all, I, I don't even think you would necessarily get that. Like Punk even says in this, like he doesn't want to be going on and just burying this stuff. But he also he, says like, if it's bad, he won't be afraid to say it. Right. Yeah, and I th- to that extent. And I think for this show to like this show has to be able to have that that ability to criticize in some form or fashion like this can't just be uh like a show you'd see on the wwe network this has to have at least for credibility's sake for fs1 
it does have to have that ability. Now, let's just like imagine that this went through and that Punk, CM Punk, was the date, one of the hosts of WWE Backstage every Tuesday or whatever, whenever it airs. I mean, those, how long between that debut of him being the host on the show to when he steps foot in the WWE ring? Well, he says he's, he, he has no desire to wrestle. He's Please. not. Come on. Like, to me, this I is. I don't buy it for a second. I think he's anyway, but please go ahead. No, I just, I mean, it's, um, to, to me, it's, it's a very curious decision he is making to go do this show. If that is not at least in, in the back of his mind, like to me, this guy, this was a guy that just had, he had fallen out of love with wrestling completely. And now you are putting yourself into this situation where, I mean, he is a great get for this show. Like this will be the, focus of this show the show that has cm punk talking about wwe and like how long until like this first show when they launch it you always want to start with something big like to me it's paul levesque being on this show oh my god yeah that would be huge yeah you're telling me like an an interview where cm punk interviews triple h about wwe programming Um, now it's also unknown like what what is his role going to be on this show like he is Renee Young and Booker T are listed as a host. Is he a third host that's on for the entire show? Is he doing a segment? Is he what? What is it? I mean, all of that is, I guess, uh, to be determined. Yeah, yeah, very fascinating. Um, and we should say he does not say in this that he has officially joined the show either. But I right. mean, it's um, I, I think you can test. put two and two together here. Yeah, he did the audition, and it would seem. That the only thing that would be holding this back would be FS1 saying, uh, you know what? It would be like that scene in Glow where Allison Bree does the audition and she sounds terrific. And they say, eh, you know what? Nah, it, it didn't quite work. We, uh, we don't like tattoos. Sorry. Yeah, we, we, we just can't go with this. So if you think FS1's making that call, I think you're, you're crazy. So, um, well, the, and of course, the other thing would be if the other um, name attached to the show might not be happy with him. But, I mean, the fact that he had an audition maybe tells you that, you know, at least they don't didn't seem to mind that, or maybe they had no say in something like that. I don't know. We we should we should read this. Uh, this was uh, Paul Levesque with uh, Jimmy Traina of uh, Sports Illustrated when asked about oh, this uh, okay. talks with Punk, and this is what Paul Levesque said. I believe this was uh, this interview was done today or or this week. Look, I've read about that as well, and to be clear. Fox is doing this show, and it's their show, and it's something they're doing to talk about the WWE universe and everything going on in it. They have a long list of people that they've been interviewing and everything. As far as us, one of the things I think this company has shown over and over again is never say never. And if the opportunity is right for everybody and it's right for our fans, then we are willing to put the past behind us and move forward. So I would say never say never. But that's also probably a long way from, from coming true. I don't know. That's a little bit outside of my purview at the moment. But like I said, never say never. <laughs> yes. Okay. That sounds like a man very caught off guard by this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who clearly has to know what is going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, even like listening to, to the um the, the Starcast Q and A he did, I mean, he's very much you know, he said himself he, he wouldn't not tur- um he wouldn't it was a double negative. He wouldn't not 
I will not listen to them. Yeah. yeah, he would not pick up a phone call or from them or something like that. So clearly both sides at this point are, are at least, you know, if you're taking Triple H as, as sort of like the representative, they're willing to talk. Um, but from all accounts, they haven't yet. But I do feel like it's only a matter of time. And he, and he never lied. He never lied about, no, those reports are false or mm-hmm. no, I, I didn't do that. I think he realizes that, you know, I'll, I'll look like. I look really silly at the end of that. So, I mean, he's, and in this, it was, you know, flat out. Yes, I did the audition and I think everyone's now putting two and two together here. So, I mean, it's the best thing for that, for that show. That's going to have all of this buzz now for it. And people are talking about the show well before it debuts next month. Hmm. Interesting. Another interview I want to talk about. Tony Khan was on uh, with, with Wade Keller over at uh, PWTorch.com. You can uh, go listen to the entire thing there. It's like a three-hour interview. So full disclosure, this was uh, 1.5 times the speed. <laughs> and therefore, I was able to get through this. So uh, I want to go through all of this. I'm, not, I'm just going to go through some of the key points here. First of all, I think that Tony Khan comes off very well in these kinds of um, – mm-hmm forums yeah. you know I, th- I think he has a real personal connection that uh he clearly has a lot of respect for wade uh you know mm-hmm. as a guy that admittedly grew up reading the torch reading the observer and when he's done the scrums i think that that's something that he has he's a real person to people as opposed to vince mcmahon that i think for so many he is like this caricature that they have because nobody really – this guy does not put himself in these kinds of situations or opens himself up. And that is, I think, a big advantage for Tony Khan. And not – it's a weird comparison, but similar to Dana White, that here is someone that – there's a lot of people that dislike Dana White. But you go watch when this guy sits down with people. He is very personable uh, to people one-on-one. And I think Tony Khan has a lot of that too. And I, I think that mm. these kinds of um, interviews – I, th- I think it gives people a much clearer view of kind of what he's planning at, rather than, you know, just existing on Twitter or behind press releases, for instance. So I think I think what what really helps him, like, you know, at least uh, from what I've seen of his interviews and I've read notes on this particular interview you're about to talk about. But to me, what stands out is, is his willingness to admit fault. And, you know, that, um, you know, was immediate after something like the Cody Rhodes chair shot to the head, like immediately in the post scrum. Uh, for that particular show, he said, that was terrible. We will never do that again. And that's very much like Dana as well, you know. Uh, but he very much comes across to me like sort of um, so innocent. You know what I mean? Like a man who clearly hasn't felt the wrath of like the, the wrestling, the internet wrestling community. Um, so, well, I, I, think I, it's a, I think it's an interesting dynamic that for years and years and years, he was on the other side of that equation, yeah. and now he is the one that is Gonna on the receiving criticism. end of that. So, I mean, all these I, – I, I imagine it would be very interesting. And if – like what would 2004 Tony Khan be saying online about this AEW startup as well? Or more importantly, what is, what is 2030 Tony Khan going to sound like You know, after doing this for um, 21 years? Or if, oh, what is it? 11 years. Yeah, well, we'll see. Will I mean, he still be as honest? Will he pull his scrums like Dana White did? He used to always mm. do those after after big shows. Mm-hmm. After almost every show that he'd attend, he'd do the scrum, and that, that went away. So uh, some of the notes here, he, he talks about wanting to recapture the audience that WCW had, but also notes the fact that 
WCW had their a pretty big uh, television audience by the end, uh, but already AEW has been able to do better live attendance than they did when they fell off the cliff in 2000. So at least by the end, they're already ahead of one metric there. Uh, he went through, he was asked about like five issues you've had among your shows. And he points out to mistakes, including the chair shot to Cody. Uh, he also admits he would have shaved off time from the hangman page, Kip Sabian match that they had back in uh, July at fight for the fallen mm -hmm. and concedes that the pre-shows at the beginning, they needed improvement. We should be focusing less on comedy because why put comedy on the pre-show when that's not what we're selling for the main show, which are a lot of serious angles paying off and heated feuds. And the pre-show should kind of be an entree for that. And the comedy doesn't really sell us on what our main product is. Uh, when asked about being the elite, he came out very in favor of being the elite. He says we would not be here without this show. And he wants to have both types of shows in being the elite and road to uh, for the variety, but says, you know, his idea for one of these shows was much more akin to like road to like he wanted, he envisioned like HBO 24 seven and the UFC countdown specials, but being the elite is part of their DNA. And he said, there's no reason that we can't have great sketch comedy on YouTube and great wrestling on TV rather than bad sketch comedy on TV. And he acknowledged like what we've talked about, like if that tone would work of taking a sketch on being the elite and putting that onto TV where it would just be, it would be different tonally and it may not work. And I think he kind of sees being the elite as like a digital property for them. And I really feel like a lot of that sensitivity really came about because of the negative reaction to, to things like the librarians, you know, which we can really, I think, kind of been written off at this point. Like yeah. They had no role at all on this particular show. No comedy at all. You didn't even see like, uh, you know, any like Luchasaurus or Jungle Bull or anything like that on this show. I mean, this was very much a straight-up wrestling show, what we saw tonight. And I think we could probably look at, like, the past, what, six, six, what is it, four months? When was Double or Nothing? That was, uh, that was May. So what is it, like, five months? Four, four months. Four months. Well, five months. Five months. It's October. Shit. Yeah. Uh, as, like, you know, like, a, like they're kind of, like, um, tests, uh, um, like, uh, soft launch, uh, if you will. So... Uh, they they tried to mix the BTE comedy stuff with their TV show, and it clearly was met with a lot of negativity. So at, le at least on this first episode of, of Dynamite, we had none of that. Yeah, and it, uh, one of the most interesting discussions was um, Wade had really uh, great analysis here about do you try and have different acts that appeal to all these different demographics, or do you hone in on one and really go hard at one set rather than please no one by trying to appeal to everybody. Mm. And I, I don't think that Tony Khan like necessarily had like a definitive answer because he's thought about that. And, you know, Wade's belief is that, you know, if you go after like one demographic and it results in a super hot product, you're going to have that trickle over effect that people are going to see and, it's going to bleed over into into other groups as well. But that's going to be interesting to see because I think like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, I think that's a great act. And I think we will see that on TV. And I think that that's something that, yes, on the surface, it's aimed at kids. But I don't think that excludes the older audience that can also get into characters like that as well. So yeah. we'll see. Like that's ultimately it's, – it's a balancing act and you can't always make 
everybody happy. So maybe there's an audience that you realize we can't hit them in the volume that we can others. So let's not let's not drive our core away by trying to appeal to fans that are not going to be our core audience regardless. Um, he believes that had they gone on Tuesdays, NXT would have magically made their way onto Tuesdays as well. Um, but he doesn't know that for a fact. And what do you think? Set, I think they would be head to head. And Tony actually believes that it makes a lot of sense for them to have put NXT on Tuesday because they're leaving a big audience on the table Mm -hmm. that has been programmed to watch on Tuesday nights, which I don't disagree with. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to find out if there's a bit of like creatures of habit that maybe find their way onto impact. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I I don't think there'll be a giant amount of. I can't say after tonight that there are people saying, uh, you know what? My Tuesdays are just so empty now from pro wrestling. Like, I can't tell you, way how weird it was Tuesday night to not have wrestling and a show to do with you. It was just the this... weirdest thing. I I sat down at 11 o'clock last night, and I watched the movie. I was like, this is so weird. It was so awesome. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It was yeah. so great. Um, uh, what's some other things here? He says that. They don't want to go overboard with shots to WWE, but maybe every now and then there will be a funny moment to be had. But also says that, you know, he does not have the same experiences that Cody has had, that Jericho have had, that others have had working for WWE. And if they feel strongly about something, he's not going to stand in their way, such as Cody destroying the throne. But he doesn't want their show to be all about counter-programming and firing off at WWE, which, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we saw any any veiled shots tonight, like even nope. subliminally. There was none not of at that. all. I don't, not I don't at think. all. Yeah. Um, and th- those will come, but they certainly were not on display tonight. Um, he talks about uh, pros and cons of SmackDown doing well on Fox. Um, it can help them. It could also hurt them in some ways. And they talked about, you know, operating this when you have, you know, Tony in Jacksonville, Cody and Brandy are in Atlanta. The Bucks are on the West Coast. And that's a big thing. The Bucks, when they signed on, they said there's no way we are leaving California. So it's it's tough being on different parts of the country. But now there's once a week that they all are going to be together. So that mm-hmm. helps a lot, too. Couldn't speak about the length of the TNT deal, but did say it is multi-year. Um Reiterated points that have been uh, stated earlier. Double or nothing will always be Memorial Day in Vegas. All Out will always be in the Chicago area Labor Day and thinks that big um, full gear could be one of those big quarterly events and become an annual thing as well. Uh, Said that the ITV scheduler is a big wrestling fan and he just got excited and sent out those dates. And this was before we got the new airings, which uh, we can also mention. Um, And he was very surprised that this got out and thought it was interesting that People were not making a big enough deal about the fact that they're on main ITV on the Monday night. And he said he had his hands tied on the international deals, but wanted them to be announced sooner than they were. I think it really could have been seen as a big deal. But the way that this news was rolled out was definitely make making it seem it was a worse way to, I think, present that fact. You know, no one's going to get excited about a Monday ITV airing when that when you're not presenting them with with something that I think should be a first run uh, way earlier than that. So it's, it, I, you know, I don't care if it's going to be like broadcast, like, you know, uh, in, uh, I don't know, on, on ABC, CBC, BBC, like if it's not accessible to people immediately when they want it in a time sensitive manner, uh, people aren't really going to care. 
Yeah, and while we're at it, the the new schedule ITV has put out is that the show is now going to be available on ITV Hub from seven p uh, from seven p.m. on Thursdays, and that's their basically their online version. Yes, is it not? yes, um, and then it's going to be eleven twenty p.m. Friday nights on ITV Four, mm-hmm. Sundays at eight twenty a.m. on ITV Four, and then you get the the one hour highlight on ITV Monday nights at eleven forty five. So in, in terms of like coverage, it's massive, but I think. There, there's still a section of the audience that's disappointed that they won't be getting it on TV live. So, you know, but those fans, I guess, will have to look at Fight or, yeah, Fight. Fight is there as an option if you want to watch it live. I mean, remember, like, we're live, we're talking one in the morning. Uh, so mm-hmm. this to me, like, just based on my mentions today, this was met with a lot more positivity than the initial uh, rollout where they thought that the earliest would be on uh, Sunday. So. Yeah. This is a Sunday bit better. at 8.20 a.m. Yeah, and ITV Hub seems to be something that is uh, very easily accessible. So that seems to be a, a good thing. But UK yeah. viewers, let us know. You know, but they certainly suffered, I, I felt, from negative press from this rollout. Like, I don't – clearly, like, as we've seen with, with the Canadian deal, everything was still in flux up until this point. But the fact that this 8.20 Sunday a.m. was the first thing that got out, I think they've suffered a lot of negative press from it already. And if that story is true, like there really is no excuse for that of some scheduler sending that out before yeah. a deal's done. Like that is really inexcusable if there's nothing else to that story other than he sends out I'm, like a very important piece of information before a deal is final. I would really like to know if that scheduler was a wrestling fan because I'm willing he to was. He said really? Tony Khan said he's a guy he messages and is a gigantic wrestling fan oh my God. that works at the network. Okay, then there is no excuse because that wrestling fan should have known. No, what, he said he's like the guy's base, a super fan. Yeah. What this fan base, how this fan base would have reacted. Man. Yeah. Uh, final notes here. Um, he, he mentioned, I think people know this, Christopher Daniels is the head of talent relations. He's going to have the lightest schedule in wrestling and they've been paying people weekly all year, even though they aren't running shows every week. And, uh, does that seem, yeah, certain. So clearly a whole lot of capital, but you know, they like, he talks a lot about like, you know, making sure that the, the, this is the going in to be great for wrestlers work-life balance and that even wrestlers like Britt Baker could continue their, their main jobs. Um, now, like, does does that make sense though? Like, I, I'm I'm just curious, like, what that pay structure is, like, how they're going to get enough money to make sure that people who work a limited amount of dates are are still paid well. Um, in terms of how AEW is getting the money, yes. Or, I mean, this is a loss leader. Like, this is a company that is not making money for the foreseeable future, and probably isn't going to make money for the first few years. So, this is all sunk costs that are. You know, it's probably good for morale that they're getting weekly paychecks, but this is like this is not a venture that they are looking to make a profit this year, next, like until this TV deal is up. Like right. I think that's that's everything. It's we are going to go out there. Hopefully, we create an audience, and when this first deal is up, then we cash in and then we start to look at making a profit because it, there's no way they're like they're selling tickets and and a good amount of them, but there's no way that that can offset you know uh, a weekly touring schedule like what they have now much less you know salaried performers and you know all, all of the stuff that they are putting costs into i right. mean it's it's got to be enormous what they're they're going through already mm-hmm. so anyway that was the interview uh if you want to go check that out that uh, is up on uh 
the PW Torch site. Cool, very cool. Shall we go to some feedback? Uh, yes, let's let's dive into the feedback uh, because there is uh, probably even more of it. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, you read the what, first thirty. What, <laughs> what have been the we, most? We literally feed- have over forty pieces of feedback. This yeah. might be a record. I think it it is. Uh, okay, so what did you think of the debut episode of Dynamite? On a scale of one to ten, the Post Wrestling Cafe felt this show was a seven point four seven. Pretty All high. Right. That's a that's weeks. a that's a strong number already. Uh, Looking, uh, they didn't do a poll for NXT. I was going to see if uh, compare, but let us start. Let's dive into okay. this. Okay, if it's a basis while. of comparison, um, there's feedback for up next, and it's like I think I'm I'm I, we should have put a poll up. I think ourselves about like what people watch because I don't doubt everybody's going to watch both shows, but I would venture to guess most people sampled AEW first. Out of uh, out of the both shows tonight, so, I'll put one Alex, up on Twitter, okay? And we'll we'll go to it at sure. the end of the feedback, which will oh, be in thank about you. two hours. <laughs> we got Alex Patel first of all, who says absolutely incredible, exceeded expectations for a first episode. The ending blew away the Nitro and the Luger debut. Having a former WWE champion, which Luger never was, show up, who's amazing, active MMA fighter, was a moment that will never be forgotten. The entire audience chanting, "We the people," gave me goosebumps. Started better than Nitro. Let's hope it ends better. Really? Like that reaction for, for Jack Swagger? I mean, I'm personally surprised because I forget even the fact that he was a former WWE champion. Was he? He was a former world champion. For a but cup of coffee. Money in the bank. Yeah. And, on Jericho. and he beat Jericho. That's right. But yeah, I don't, so. I, when I think of Jake Hager, I, I hardly, anyway, but okay. I, I actually don't want them to reference that. Like, I don't want WWE stories to be canon for AEW. Like, I, I don't think you need any of that stuff. I think you can call him former world champion. Does that not sound impressive? No, that's fine. But I don't want to play off of, like, Jericho and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hager, like, play off of uh, something that the, happened in WWE. But don't they play you, you can You can make the reference. They're referencing the, a, the cleaner. But anyway. I think I think what it calls for it, like let's say like you know Tully and Arn, then it makes sense, right? But Jericho and Hager, like I don't, who remembers that? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with taking like distinguishable traits, um, and you know even even character points. But you know the idea of Jake Hager cutting a promo of saying I beat you to become the, you know what I mean? Yes, like yes, taking yes, a storyline and now yeah. it's our storyline. Mm-hmm. That's where I think you, you do want to have a, a separation, and I think that. Jericho and Hager could have a nice combo together, like yeah. kind of, um, you know, not like, similar like, to like Sean and Diesel or Jericho and Big Show, which right. I, I thought was a great run that those two had. And eventually Hager can break off on his own and you can do stuff with. It is interesting, given the fact that, you know, Kenny was wearing the one championship shirt and they have a deal on TNT yeah. and BR Live that, you know, they were not hesitant to promote Bellator here with Swagger and the fact that. That's just kind of interesting that, you know, hmm. a rival network's fighter is now on your show. And ideally, you know, it'd be great if you could have this guy fighting for your own company that you have under contract. Mm-hmm. And I don't see Bellator letting go of Jake Hager because they seem pretty high on him. All right. Uh, let's continue on here. That was feedback number one. Luigi, good start for AEW. I really love the production. It felt like an MMA show for wrestling and they let the show breathe. Only real criticism is that there were points where there was too much downtime and it was easy just to focus on NXT. Cody and Sammy Guevara was good. Paige and Pac was better than I was expecting, and I enjoyed the main. Mox is the best thing they have right now. That said, Swagger is an incredibly underwhelming addition. 
We got a Chris who says this show was well worth the five dollars to watch it on TSN Direct. They had me. Is that is that even an option for Canadians at least? Right. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. I mean, I just I just watch like I just log in with my my cable yeah subscription. Uh, right. But I could not even log in tonight, so I was having problems. That was on my end though. Okay. We. Uh, he says they had me at with TV time remaining. Yes. Yes. For the main event, they that guy with the purple Macho Man shirt. Bless his heart. The only negative was the crowd chanting, we the people. North American wrestling crowds just have to show how smart they are. From Paul in New Jersey, what can I say? This was a wrestling show. Mind not blowing. Enjoyed MJF. Pack is great. Happy for Rio, but was surprised. This was a bit of a botch fest, and Britt Baker had the personality of a dry piece of wood on commentary. Which, you write it. <laughs> Moxley is red hot. Glass Spot was fun. NXT was far superior. AEW has their work cut out for them. Those were a lot of short sentences together to form his thoughts. Gerard says, pretty good first show. It was paced pretty well, and it didn't feel like they were doing any hot shotting that reeked of being desperate. First thing I noticed was how great the commentary was. Tony Schiavone was tremendous, and as two veteran play-by-play guys, Schiavone and JR managed not to step on each other's toes. My two major critiques of the show would be, first, the MJF versus Cutler match came off flat. Second, Jake Hager feels like the most... Feels like the most like bringing in an ex-WWE guy for the sake of it move AEW has ever done. It also didn't help that the beatdown at the end went too long and Hager looked kind of nervous looking at the hard cam. But if AEW can learn from what didn't work here, then this show could get really good. Andy and Columbus, very good, not great. Strong start with Cody and Guevara and a nice surprise to see Riho take the title. What on earth was that main event? Good action, but how do you justify that match continuing after the Moxley interference? And Jake Hager is your Lex Luger? Nothing against the guy, but that's not going to play well over the next week. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to more, but the last 20 minutes was puzzling. Hagaki says, good start and lots of potential. Great production values, and damn, I didn't realize how much I missed Tony's voice. Still lots of room to improve, but I'm into it. I got my 72-year-old parents to watch. Dad said, good show. Mom, what a match. Well, there you go. A win for them. John writes, overall a great show, especially considering it was their first live TV episode. The hot angle at the end matched the red-hot crowd. Women's match was the highlight for me. Riho and Nyla Rose told an exciting David versus Goliath story, with the only downside being the timing of the commercial break. Speaking of which, the production seemed much improved from their prior pay-per-views with those poorly timed commercials and Britt Baker on commentary being the only hiccups. They have really started out with a bang, and I can't wait until next week. Yes. Uh, Postmaster says, good show, not blow away. I used to enjoy watching NXT on Wednesdays, but I'm Canadian, so I'm thankful for TSN getting AEW. I really dug the opening and closing, and having Tony talking about commercial breaks really brought me back to the mid-90s. The negatives to me were the production. Coming back from the commercial to shots of empty seats was a bit silly. Okay, Postmaster, I think that's mainly TSN, though, picking up and waiting for the feed from TNT, is my guess. Uh, he says the women's match was a stinker saved by the crowd and that Kevin Smith segment was just confusing. I'll continue watching. All right, let's go to uh, the Wolf, Greg, in the UK. Really enjoyed the show overall. I think there was some awkwardness in tone in the first hour. The Kevin Smith thing seemed weird to me, but I'm hopeful they will find what works for them in the coming weeks. I think the opener should have been Hangman Page and Pac. Cody draws eyes, but not sure the panda dude warrants the spot yet. Other matches were fine, totally enjoyable. I think it's a tough sell when storylines aren't in play yet, so I have to be patient. The last match was amazing. It made up for anything lacking earlier in the night. I think they wanted Cody, like, you know, in the first match, 
and maybe for Guevara, like it was a great way to showcase him, knowing that everybody was going to be watching the match. And Where, an awesome reaction for Cody. Like I, I totally understood between Cody. I think so first. too. We got a Sean from Toronto. Solid debut episode that demonstrates that AEW is all about presenting a great wrestling product without relying on scripted promos or pre-taped segments. I was amazed that we had entire matches on the show without commercial interruptions, which is now a rarity in WWE. Yeah, you know, so we did have commercial interruptions, but they were doing picture-in-picture. And I think that's... I'm talking right now, by the way, everybody, not uh, Sean. So, uh, (laughs) because I know it's confusing. But, like, John, do you think, like, this is something we'll see going forward? Like, strictly picture-in-picture commercial breaks during the shows? Like, I think when during matches, I mean. I think they're going to have to. Like, they don't want to shortchange matches. And if they want them to go to a certain length, that seems to be the compromise. Um, was it telling that the main event didn't have that? Because they could have very well, like, did the whole Kenny thing. Like, if the, the idea was to squeeze in an extra commercial break, and that's why you did the Kenny versus Moxley segment. You know, could they not have like, I'm just wondering, do they have a limit of how many picture in picture breaks they can do much like SmackDown did? Um, I I don't know. And it's, it's interesting that Fox is not looking to do that for SmackDown. Like they specifically said in that ad age piece that they're not looking at doing picture in picture. Um, Mm -hmm. and you have to wonder like, is, is that a good thing for the advertisers because you would typically have a more captive audience for your ads because you're leaving the program up or are advertisers less uh, intrigued by that because they're sharing the screen and it's um, yeah n- maybe not getting their, their value for it. I don't know the answer. I don't know either. And I wonder if much of it comes down to like network versus like um, TV or sorry, a cable. I, I also wonder if like the fact that AEW – and both USA, they both realize that they have competition and that, you know, any commercial break jeopardizes your audience sticking around versus watching the competition, if that might have anything to do with, with the decisions. But I, I agree with Sean. I think, like, the way they handled commercial breaks was really good. Like, the flow of the show was really good. You didn't kind of get the, the too much of the cliche, oh, he's outside of the ring, fans, we'll be right back. Um, I thought everything was handled really well. And Sean goes on to say, sorry about the aggression but sean says that cameo by kevin smith and jason muse was a bit random other than it being a way to plug smith's new movie i was also confused why the moxley run-in didn't result in a dq since the rules of the match weren't very clear agree with you there joe from h-town where do i start i never saw cody in wwe but the dude is a bona fide star what an entrance what reactions from the crowd wasn't too interested in the women's match but the tail end was beautiful booker t mentioned on his podcast that jake hager would debut with aew your thoughts on that um, he did, and it was, you know, the story was out there. It would, this wasn't a big shock. Um, haven't had this much fun watching since 2001. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think of, uh, uh, WWE contracted talent, quote unquote, spoiling? I, I mean, it was out there. I mean, it was like not uh, a big secret. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't bother me. doesn't bother me either. Well, uh, he's probably just friends with the guy. We got a Nick from NYC who says, I have not felt this way about a weekly product in a very long time. Everything was so fresh. The commentary was smooth. No one overstepping each other for the most part. I like what they're doing with commercials from America watching TNT with full ad breaks for downtime and then picture in picture with ads taking place during matches. For sure, the moment of the night was that lifting DDT through the glass table. I popped so damn hard for it. Also, Jake Hager is here and got a We the People chant, which kind of ruined the moment, but oh well. Also very happy Riho won the Women's Championship. 
I'd expected them to give her a long chase, but I was pleasantly surprised to see her win. Joey from Queens, this is a very good show for AEW. I was lightly switching between NXT and AEW, and I can say it felt like AEW definitely took week one. Even though NXT loaded the card for tonight, AEW still felt bigger than NXT, which maybe is an unfair criticism, but one I still felt when watching both shows. Cody is a megastar to this audience, and he knows how to get the best reaction out of them, even if he can't keep up athletically with someone like Sammy Guevara, and says that the he was very impressed by Rio in the Women's Championship match, and seeing Jake Hager running during the main event made me moderately mark out. I just hope the We the People chant does not stick. 8 out of 10. We go to Nick, who says, Refs in AEW have all different personalities, which is something they're trying to get across. And Rick Knox, for pretty much all of his career, has never been one to call off matches. Did he call off a match? Well, maybe that's what he's saying, is that he didn't call off the main event, so he has a longer yardstick than other referees. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know. I, I like consistency, but... I don't know. I think that's something at least they should explain. I mean, it's the same, you know, complaints we have about red shoes, isn't it? No, you you could have made it like it's it was a no holds barred main event or something like that. You could have you could have put a stipulation on to at least address that. I, I think that's a that's a fair criticism. Uh, next up, let's go to Alexander in Portland. Was it me or did the women's championship match look minuscule? I don't know what that means. Like, were you like watching from a distance? You mean? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he, oh, he means the physical title. Okay, sorry. I thought oh. it like the match. Like, did the match look minuscule? I was like, it looked like a uh, real size to me. Um, it's a smaller title. Um, I, don't I know. mean, uh, yeah, it's more of the classic look, isn't it? For um, like, I think what was it like the old NWA or whatever a women's title? Um, it's. I think they're just going for more of a vertical classic design. But yeah, it is smaller. He says that AEW needs a secondary belt. Do you see them? Adding one. Not yet. Not yet. Like, give I'm not them time. Ready for a new one. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of time to introduce, like, your 24 7 equivalent or whatever. They, they need to establish those first ones first, though. So, we go to Mark P, who says, Absolutely love the final 30 minutes of the show. Women's Championship final minutes right through the closing angle of the show had real energy. Hager shouldn't really feel like a big deal, but he did. Between commentary playing him up as a debuting MMA fighter rather than a guy from the WWE, Combined with the crowd energy and the angle, it all just clicked. Overall, the show had some small hiccups, but to me, the good easily outweighed the awkward moments and downtime in the middle of the show. Mark writes, I enjoyed the show a fair bit, though. I won't say it was exactly great. The main event was wild, and Pack and Hangman was very enjoyable. I'm not super sure if putting a Cody match to begin your show was the best idea if you're wanting to be an alternative, but it all worked out by the end of the night. Now, it's scary at times tonight, and I really hope Brandon Cutler is not hurt. I'm interested in seeing more for sure. The ending angle had me wanting to see what happens next. Seven out of ten. We go to uh, Galvin, who says, Hey, guys, quick feedback. I disagree with the previous poster, and I thought Jake Hager looked intense and incredible. Just don't let him talk. Good show. Some parts went slow, and other parts were good. I like some Kenny Omega matches, but I think his setups are so overpronounced that he takes me out of the match. Throwing hands up in the air and lifting his leg four feet off the ground to start a rope run, it's just a mood killer. Don't get me wrong, the end result is great, but take it down a notch, Kenny. All right, John from Montana. This show exceeded my expectations. I thought the opening match was hot, made Sammy Guevara look like a star against Cody. The main event exceeded expectations, and I never thought I'd pop to see the former Jack Swagger in a wrestling ring again. Tony Schiavone has not lost a step, and I think he 
made JR better. I think Excalibur was a little nervous next to those two, but he held his own. My only real issue with the show was the timing and pacing, but I have a feeling the Brandon Cutler-MJF match had to end early. Tonight was a great night to be a wrestling fan, 8 out of 10. John from Baltimore. Good start for AEW. I was there live, and the crowd was definitely mixed. They were totally dead for the pack headman pit match and the first half of the women's match. Really woke up during the false finish of the title match, though, and during the main event. I was really bummed, though, as someone who has never seen Kenny Omega live that I only really got to see him for a minute or two. I'll definitely be back the next time they're in town, but they have some pacing issues to figure out, especially during commercial breaks. Excited to watch the TV version back to see if it moves quicker. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm guessing from John's report here that during commercials, they don't really do anything. Um, which is strange because, I mean, there were, I, I guess there's some that are not the picture in picture, but yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's kind of strange. That to me would be something I would well, be rectifying because uh, that's a big killer on WWE shows. And I will say, John, I, I will definitely say watching on TV moves way quicker because we have a million things to do now during these shows. Like when you're bored, when this show is in commercial, you watch NXT or you're on Twitter or you're like writing a report for the website like John was. So it definitely didn't feel slow in that sense for us. Okay. Jesse from the six asks, do you think debuting on the same day as the NHL season opener will hurt dynamite in the ratings in Canada? I don't know. What, what do you think is the crossover? Um, well, we're going to see. I, I'm going to try my best to get the, the number in Canada, but uh, and how much it's, do you it's very put, hard. How much do you even put into this number, given the lack of promotion? Yeah, I think that w- with the Canada one, it's one that I, I don't know how much stock I'd put into week one. I mean... I don't think TSN is really expecting anything. No. I mean, this was not even listed on my guide tonight. So yeah. it's not like you were even grabbing people just scrolling through. They would have had... Um, you know, I think the, the soccer game was listed. So... They didn't even have time to update the guide on some providers. So we got a Dave in Boston who says, as an avid Nitro fan from back in the day, AEW Dynamite has gotten me excited to watch wrestling each week for the first time in years. I loved everything. NXT, on the other hand, looked low rent minor league and I have zero interest in watching next week. You know, it is interesting as we're going through this feedback, the amount of like new people that are posting or have not posted in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of indicative here. Um, we go to Rick C. from Cleveland. I thought Dynamite was a great effort for their debut. There were hiccups, but they will find their voice and pacing in time. The crowd was electric and really made the matches feel greater than the sum of their parts. All right. We go to Michael, who says, I really enjoyed the show. It was great to hear Jair and Tony call wrestling together after all these years. There was a nice blend of marquee matches and enhancement matches. The Monks interference was a great moment. Jake Hager really... Always evokes a meh feeling, but I did like how they presented him. I'm excited to see where things are going. Brandon from Oshawa. Commentary was the best it's been yet. Tony Schiavone is excellent. Thought Nyla Rose should have won the title. I don't like how they've handled her so far. A stable of more than three guys? Sign me up. I was worried they were going to use the same ending as Double or Nothing with Moxley attacking Omega, but happy to see the show finish the way it did. Hager came off great. Okay, we go to up next... Um the Podfather. Yeah. Nate Milton, who says, what's going on, brothers? No, really. What is going on? Primetime wrestling on TNT being called by Tony Schiavone and featuring a pair of beloved B-list celebrities from the early 2000s. Am I back on the satellite of hate? 
In all seriousness, there was very little about the show that was worthy of hate. The crowd was hot, the production looked great, the commentary was fairly smooth, and the in-ring action was solid. There were some awkward moments and a few dead spots scattered throughout the program, but that is to be expected with the roster and production team adjusting to live TV broadcast. Uh, I thought Riho, Guevara, and Hager came out on the show looking like potential stars, and Nyla Rose as a heel is probably where she should have been positioned from the company's launch. I think she has been, hasn't she? Nyla Rose? Yeah, she's always been a heel. I suppose, like, if you watch yeah. her videos, maybe, like, the Road to videos kind of position. They kind of position everybody as a baby face. But, anyway, all in all, I thought this was a respectable debut. NXT had the better in-ring product tonight, but AEW was unquestionably the better TV show. I give this 7.5. SCU is more qualified to run the country than our current administrations at a 10. David from Vaughn, pretty sh- solid show from start to finish. The crowd was very hot. I really enjoyed the opener and the Page Pac match. Not much in the way of promos on this show, but I wouldn't expect it as they still have a lot to establish. One negative, however, they have to work out a lot of the hiccups with the production. I found the cutaway to commercial during Jericho's attack on Cody awkward. 7 out of 10. All right. Um, we go to... Man, there's so there's so many good pieces, but we can't get to everybody, unfortunately. So I I really apologize if we can't, but uh, I'm gonna have to start skipping a little bit. But we go to Lewis from Long Beach, who says, "Who would have thought a Jake Hager run in as your show ending surprise would get this kind of reaction in 2019?" I was really happy for him. Overall, I would say the show was a solid, if unspectacular, start. Nothing blow away, but nothing terrible. However, the booking of the trios match and the main event threw me off. Was it a no DQ? Can you interfere and imagine AEW with, and the refs do nothing? Just thought it was a bit odd. Overall, I'm interested to see how AEW handles stables because I think putting Sammy with this group could do a lot to possibly elevate him as he has the in-ring skill to be something interesting. 7 out of 10. Charlie from Maryland. Hey guys, went to the show with my brother and friend and what a show. The arena was super excited from the beginning. Dark match with Shima versus Darby Allen. Everyone behind Darby Allen. In the end, Allen won. Cody and Sammy Guevara was a great opener. Uh, goes on here. The low point was the MJF Brandon Cutler match. What a promo from MJF hangman versus page was a fairly good match with pay with pot with pack, just taunting the crowd during the break. But the last 10 minutes, they turned it up. Rio and Nyla Rose did not disappoint, especially the bump that Nyla Rose took on the chairs. Main event was spectacular. When Moxley came out, it was loud as hell in the arena. Also, what a horrific bump on the table that Omega took. But I never expected Swagger to come out. I didn't think it was him until my friend pointed it out. Someone in the back screamed, it's the next five horsemen. Other than that, what a show. We go to Neil Flanagan, who says, I watch the show through AEW+. Neil, of course, is from uh, Northern Ireland. So Neil says the broadcast was completely uninterrupted on the fight platform. When TNT was on commercial break, either the matches continued complete with commentary or there was pretty good filler stuff, including the full Jericho attack on Cody, Pac insulting fans, and Kenny and the Bucks addressing the crowd before the main event. This lack of downtime seemed to keep the live crowd engaged. No four-minute chin locks way. Interesting. Raymond writes, I was there in person, a solid 10 out of 10. The best of the three AEW shows I've seen in person. Dynamite premiere, better than Double or Nothing, better than All Out. An electric crowd, a great women's match that shocked the hell out of me, and the wildness of that final match and Jake Hager's out-of-nowhere debut. I look forward to flying home to see how the TV broadcast of this special show came across. Even the dark matches before and after the show, nearly 45-minute post-show, were good. I wonder if those matches are going to be on BR Live. There you go. A guy who flew to this show, so came across... Very happy. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out soon what they'll be doing with those uh, 
uh, dark matches. But um, as a, I'm bonus, sure they're gonna go somewhere. I don't yeah. think they were done for 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 just the live crowd. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Again, apologies if we couldn't get to it. Does not mean we didn't like your feedback at all. We just had to pick and choose uh, and prioritize. And uh, hopefully, if you didn't get a chance to talk to us today, maybe you'll get a chance tomorrow live on the Cafe Hangout where we'll be further talking about both AEW and NXT and getting your live thoughts as you guys call in, as well as any other big breaking news topics of the day because I'm sure something will happen. Yes, so Cafe Hangout will take a lot of calls. Way and I will have uh, some more thoughts on NXT uh, once we've had a chance to watch the whole show. And Andrew Thompson is going to join us as well. Uh, He's been doing uh, great updates up on the site Mm -hmm. at Post Wrestling. And he was at the show tonight in Washington, D.C. So we'll chat with him about the live perspective as well and whatever other news is going on tomorrow. So do tune in at 3 o'clock Eastern if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, It's a great time to sign up with uh, all the new stuff we have going on. And I'm looking forward to the Hangout tomorrow. It should be a lot of fun with uh, all members of the cafe available to listen to. And we're going to give out a T-shirt. Wow. T-shirt giveaway on the Cafe Hangout on Thursday. So tune in. That will be a lot of fun. My poll away that I put up. Yeah. 502 votes. Oh, wow. 58% for AEW Dynamite, 42% for NXT of the show they enjoyed more. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, so I, that's I, very close. Yeah. I'm also really curious to know like what what people will perhaps watch first, and maybe people can let us know on, on the Hangout tomorrow. Absolutely. So there you go. Thanks to everybody for listening. Now you can hop on over and listen to Up Next and their whole rundown of NXT. And if you listen to Up Next first, well, you chose wrong. (laughs) Then what are you going to do if you've listened to both shows? What are you going to do with your time right now? I mean, sleep? No. Come on. You should um, call your mom. Go for a walk. Yeah. All right. That's it for us, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this inaugural edition of Rewind to Dynamite. And we'll be back Thursday, 3 o'clock.